Alright, let's pray. Father God, may our hearts be open to your word for us today. May we receive it gladly and work with you in our lives for your purposes. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In a moment, I'm going to start a sentence and I want you to finish it. So, it's just my start is only a couple of words, so, um, and then when I finish my couple of words, I'm going to point to you and you just finish the sentence in your head. So, if I said rock and roll is, and I point to you, then you finish that sentence in your head. Alright, you ready? Jesus is. Hopefully, something popped into your head. (laughs) Would anyone like to share what popped into their head? Lord. 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 Amazing. Amazing. Praise the Lord. I think that's a good response. For me, when I completed the sentence in my mind yesterday, popped into my head, the following was the first thing that I thought of. Jesus is a life-changing miracle man and God. Uh, I hadn't got out of bed yet. <laughs> my mind was a bit more fluid. Um, that's, that's what jumped into my mind. And um, I believe the word you thought of is from God and he wants to show you that what is at the heart of what you think about Jesus, here's Lord, is a good start. He's amazing as well. He wants to work with you at that moment in your life together to help make him Lord, to show you that he's amazing. And from my point of view, I do want to see the life-changing power of Jesus at work in our church, in our lives, Because while Jesus was a man living here on earth, he was in perfect unity with his father, knowing what his father wanted and thought about, and only doing what his father told him. His life was completely moulded and shaped by his father. And that is my desire for this church, that we'll be willing to submit our wills and our lives to be shaped by our father. And I want us to explore this morning the concept that, Father, you are the potter, and we are the clay. So what I want us to understand is how we can allow God to mould us and shape us into a holy vessel that is filled with his spirit to be fit for his purposes which are way beyond what we can conceive or imagine. So this morning's scripture is Isaiah 64.8 which says, And yet, O Lord, you are our Father, We are the clay and you are the potter. We all are formed by your hand. So, as I've said before, I studied ceramics. So, um, when I shared about that last time, a few people said, oh, we'd really like to hear more about that. So, here I am today and I'm going to explore a bit further on that analogy um, that 
We are the clay and God is the potter. And if we go right back to the beginning of when God created the world and everything in it, in Genesis 2, 7 it says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils and the man became a living person. So Adam, the first man, was made out of dirt. (laughs) So um, today's scripture and the analogy that we are the clay and God is the potter is very appropriate. Like you can see it back here at the beginning, God, the master sculpture, has taken the clay out of the ground and made a man out of it and breathed into him and made him a living person. And we know that when we get put in the ground, our body goes back to the ground. So, um, this is a, a, a very apt description of how God wants to be in relation to us. He wants to shape and form our lives. But he doesn't want to just he hasn't just shaped us physically. He wants to allow um, he wants us to allow him to shape us emotionally and spiritually as well, our whole being. So even though we've been born again spiritually, when we believe in what God has done through Jesus, most of us still need a lot of shaping and moulding emotionally in our thought patterns, our processes, uh, our attitudes, and this is an ongoing process of refinement throughout our lives. So why does God do that? Because he loves us and wants to help us live more fulfilling and fruitful lives and for us to love and enjoy him more. So how does God do this? Well, there's a bit more to it. So if we return to that potter and clay analogy, when you're a potter and you want to make something, you first have to select the right type of clay. So there's different types of clay which are generally used for different purposes. So um, you might have heard of earthenware or terracotta. They're usually, you know, you see the garden pots, flower pots, and they, um, you know, when you water them, actually the, uh, the, the water will gradually seep right through the pot. So they're not, they are porous still. So they're not much good, uh, like for a dinner plate or a glass, because it will seep through unless it's glazed. But um, so another type of clay is earthenware that can be used for plates and uh, that type of thing. And then there's also porcelain, uh, which is harder to mould, but it, 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 you can make finer objects out of it. So often more important things or decorative pieces, sculptures, things like that, use porcelain. So. Some are used for common purposes and others for more important purposes. And in Romans 9.21, Paul talks about a similar concept when he says, when a potter makes a jar out of clay, doesn't he have a right to use some of the lump of clay to make one jar for decoration and another to throw garbage into? But let me assure you, God has chosen each of us to be holy vessels that are set apart for service in his kingdom, not for common purposes to throw rubbish into, but for special purposes 
Remember, in the temple, there were special um, vessels and plates that were made specifically for use in service of God in his temple. And we are being chosen by God, set aside for his holy service. Nowadays, we can, if we want to make something, if we're a potter, we can just go down to the, the shop and buy a bag of clay and get underway. But in biblical times, they would have had to go out and maybe along a riverbank or something like that, or even where a riverbank has been in ancient times, um, where the clay is, you have to physically dig it up, and then there's a process of, of purification. You have to weather it, wash it, sieve it, bash it, knead it. Um, in other words, it's a process of removing impurities, the lumps and the clumps, um, making it consistent, getting consistent moisture in it. Um, and it's the same for each of us in our life with God. We undergo a process of refining in our character as God builds his character within us. Many impurities need to be filtered out. We constantly get knocked around by the challenges and problems we face in life. Things like pain can be really tough. But who here hasn't experienced some form of pain? Unfortunately, to one degree or another, it, it comes upon us in our lives. And we are constantly being refined by God. As I said last week in our communion message, even though we are considered perfect by God because of what, is, what Christ has done and, what, and we, our belief in him, and it, he's still making us holy and improving us as long as we live. This process is called sanctification. But everything we go through has a purpose to grow us, mature us, and prepare us to be more effective for use in the kingdom of God and to help others. So just a side note here, just moving off the path a little bit, but in life it's so easy to be worn down when we try and go through tough times on our own. You know, particularly like, oh, you just got to toughen out, you know, we're bad. Mostly these tough times help us realise how much we need to rely on God but also on each other. It's great if we can help others, but also we mustn't deny others the opportunity to do God's work by helping us. God's designed us to help one another. The next thing I wanted to say about the clay, and I touched on it before, but correct moisture content is critical for shaping the clay. If it's too much water, it gets all sloppy and it won't hold a shape, it just all falls over and I'm sure you've seen images of a potter's wheel where he's trying to shape it and he does it too much and it all just goes <laughs> and falls in a heap. Um, so too much water is not a good thing and not enough water is not a good thing either because if you dry clay out enough, it becomes like a rock. and. In the previous church I was in, we were praying, it was, I can't remember it was a Bible study or something like that. We were at the, I was around at the manse at the minister's house and we were praying for the, specifically for the church and I had an image come into my mind where I saw the potter's wheel and there was quite a big lump of clay on it 
um, on the potter's wheel, and God's hands came in from the side, and, and they were chattering on the, on, on, the, on the clay. It was rock hard. He couldn't do anything with it. And I thought, oh no, because just before I'd seen that image, I'd seen that the outside of our church and then I saw that image and I realised oh God's saying this about our church that sounds pretty bad but on the outside the church was one of the friendliest churches I've ever been involved in lovely people uh, but this image was saying that there's a missing ingredient that missing ingredient is water which is the Holy Spirit so he's saying you're not open to receiving the Holy Spirit and God, if we're not open to the Holy Spirit, we're not open to being moulded and shaped by God. And the first thing we thought of was, what do we do about it? And so I said, well, before the elders or church council, the leadership of the, the church meeting um, decided to have a, a prayer time and only a few people turned up. But when we were praying, um, I had another image come into my head. And in that church, there was all fixed pews. Like in here, we could shift these out of the way and use the air if we wanted to. But they were all tied down to the floor, so you couldn't move it. So, um, but all the pews were gone in the church when I saw the image. It was the exact inside of the church. Pews were gone. There was carpet in the middle. Jesus was standing right in the middle. Everyone was sitting down on the ground around him. And he was talking to them. He was obviously teaching them, saying things to the people who were sitting all around him. And I heard the words, just sit at my feet. All that is needed is to sit at my feet. So what was Jesus doing then? He was teaching them. All they had to do was listen and absorb it. Like, um, if we go back to the clay analogy, in, just because the clay is rock hard doesn't mean you can't use it anymore. What you have to do is soak it in a big block bucket of water big tub or whatever you've got, depends how much clay you've got to re-energise really um, and it doesn't happen overnight, probably over a week or something like that, it gradually soaks in the water and then usually you get too much water and then you've got to dry it out again but eventually you get to the stage where the, the, the clay is quite usable again So, and that related to what Jesus was saying, but Jesus was teaching so He's saying, you need my water, but you need my word as well. You need to listen to my words. Those two things working. We need revelation through his word and through his spirit. And the two work hand in hand as witnesses to each other um, of what God wants to, how God wants to shape us and use us. Um, and that, particularly that second word, the whole church agreed that the first word was from God and that's what he was saying about the church but they couldn't really cope with the second word which was sit at my feet because they wanted to do something and that's a great attitude to have but if God can't use you then it doesn't matter what you you're going to be running around doing things but it's not going to be under the lordship of God like the word that you gave Jesus is Lord. If you want Jesus to be Lord, we need to be open to his spirit and listen to his word. So sometimes, rather than doing something, we just need to soak in the truth of Jesus through spending time and letting God reveal himself and his ways to us 
through his spirit and his word. Remember how Jesus said to the woman at the well, he will give us living water and that living water is the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Remember we have been baptised in the Holy Spirit who supplies us with the gifts and power to accomplish God's plans for us. And, you know, sometimes when we do have a... we are feeling drawn by God to do something, um, the fear hits us. (laughs) And we don't... um, or sometimes we're fearful of what God will ask us to do. I know early on in my Christian life, like speaking to people about Jesus was a big fear. <laughs> but um, my, mate, my best mate couldn't stop, so I got drawn into it anyway. Um, so God will use other people to help you. But we may not feel like we're adequate now or have adequate provision but I read one of um, I remember Nikki Gumbel sharing a story about Corrie ten Boom in Holland, her and her sister helped save many Jews from the Nazis during World War II but finally they got discovered and put in one of the concentration camps even though they weren't Jews themselves but they were considered traitors because they helped Jews and Her sister died in a concentration camp, but miraculously she came out. But she shared a story that one of the things that she worried about as a young person um, before the war and everything, and she said to her father, you know, I don't know if I'll, you know, if if God asks me to be martyred, I don't know if I'll have the strength or the courage to to go through and, and, and stand up for Jesus. And her father said, well, you know, when I put you on the train to Amsterdam, when do I give you the money? She said, oh, just before I get on the train. He said, well, that's right. I don't give you it three weeks beforehand, do I? He said, God will give you the right provision when it's time. He'll give you the strength. He'll give you the courage. He'll give you the words when it's time for you to do it. And I thought that was a very wise story because sometimes we can just get so worried about things and we're not even there yet. Yes, it's good to plan and be thinking about where God's taking, what he wants to do, and um, thinking about provision for the journey. But sometimes we can get worried about things that... God's got it all in hand. <laughs> you know, we don't have to worry about God doing his bit. We just have to be obedient, like Hounds was saying last week, do our bit, and then God will do his big bit. So, um, the clay also, before it goes onto the wheel, needs to be kneaded or wedged so it gets squeezed and pushed around in particular ways, which um, squeezes out the air bubbles from the clay. Why does that matter? Well, there's a couple of things. It gets rid of the air bubbles and, and it makes even moisture content through the through the piece because if it doesn't have even moisture content when it after you've made it on the on the wheel you set it aside to rest and as it dry because it's, it, it's got to be dry before it goes in the kiln and if it doesn't have even moisture content your piece will crack so you go to this trouble making it cracks and it's in the bin or it gets recycled and made again um, but the air is a, a much more 
critical thing because if you've made your piece, you put it in the kiln, the kiln temperatures range from 900 degrees to up to about 1700 degrees, depending on what like porcelain is fired at a very high temperature. Um, earthenware is around 1000 degrees. Doesn't matter, they're all hot, very hot. And as that air expands to a certain point, then the pot can't contain it anymore, it explodes. It's like a bomb going off in your kiln. And of course, if you've got other pots in there, they get taken out as well. <laughs> so it's a bit of a mess. <laughs> and yeah, so, and then you've got a clean up job. Um, and disappointing because you put all this work in and it's all wrecked. <laughs> But uh, thankfully, for me, that never happened to me. It happened to other people. <laughs> I was always pretty fussy about getting my clay wedged properly. But there's an analogy here because air bubbles can represent hidden sin in our lives that can destroy us, our reputation, our ministry, our families, our churches. If left unchecked in our lives, when we're subject to the fire of God's scrutiny and judgment, it all comes out in the end. I'm sure we can think of stories of prominent Christians who fell into temptation, um, but if we submit our lives to the potter's hands, he will discipline us and remove the impurities in our lives. King David is a good example of someone who made some terrible mistakes, but he repented, returned to God, and was forgiven and God continued to use him for his purposes so sometimes we think we have to be this perfect person before God can use us but in the Bible we see these people that are, are, are weak and frail and got plenty of faults but they're open to being used by God they submit themselves to the potter's hand and to be used by God so God used, uses flawed people and he can use you and he can use me. So God is continually using the circumstances in our lives to prepare and shape us into something and someone that is useful for service in his kingdom. So once we're prepared, what's next? It's time to get put on the wheel. And the clay is very important that you centre the clay properly on the wheel because if you don't, I'm not sure if you've ever seen a wobbly wheel on a car <laughs> or ridden a bike with a wobbly wheel it uh, doesn't work too well and eventually on a clay wheel it, it slips a bit more and gets more out of shape and if you keep going it just flies off and splats into whatever's in the way <laughs> and sometimes our lives can be like that they spin out of control and splat in a mess um, but you know God can still, you know, when we're never lost to God. He is faithful, always. He scrapes us up, picks us up from whatever situation we find ourselves in, prepares us again, goes through the preparation, puts us on the wheel again, and gives us another shot. So what's at the centre of our lives? So if we think about... What's our focus? What consumes us? What gets us, what gets us fired up? What's our passion and desire? What's the one thing that we would change in the world if we could? Because that's often the thing that our, our life is centred on and centred around. 
But is Christ at the centre of that? What centres us on Christ? Well, probably number one is spending some time with him. If you want to get to know someone, you've got to spend some time with them. Not just a passing, g'day mate, how you going, and see you later. I mean quality time. We all complain we don't have enough time for everything, but it's amazing how much time we can find when we really want to do something. Often the things that we do find the time for, while they may be enjoyable, aren't usually particularly fruitful. And I can think of a few examples like video games and TV shows, social media, YouTube, um, but there's lots of other things. And while there's nothing wrong with those things that I've just mentioned, I mean, it's good to have some entertainment or chill out time where we can relax, they do become a problem when they take the place of God. When we try and derive from those things what we can only truly find in God, like peace and fulfilment. It's also amazing how, how it becomes easier to prioritise the things in life and make better choices and decisions when we've spent quality time with God. Also, our friends and family will probably notice an improvement in our mood and attitude and our ability to cope with whatever's going on after we've spent quality time with God. To do that, we need to think about what is meaningful for us to help us make that connection with God. Whether it's going for a walk, finding a quiet space, sitting with a dog, having the right music in the background, or whatever it is to hear what he's saying to us through his spirit and his word. We're all different, made in different, wide in different ways, but I find starting with speaking in tongues or singing in tongues helps take my focus away from all my worries and concern that are rattling around in my mind and establishes a connection through the Holy Spirit that helps filter out other distractions and amplifies my joy and wonder of being in the presence of God. And I remember uh, Barry talking about, he gave one of the, his students an assignment which was just to speak 10 minutes a day in tongues every day. And they all reported what a, a big difference it made in their lives and their attitudes. Just 10 minutes a day. Uh, now I've lost my spot. Um, it's also important to be real and honest with God. He knows what's going on anyway. When we pour our heart out to God, he often brings things to the surface that we didn't even know were there. I heard Craig Rochelle, who's a senior pastor of Life Churches in America, and their church is the one that brought us the New Version Bible, a wonderful resource um, for Christians all around the world. Not just one Bible, but I don't know how many versions of the Bible there are, but a whole lot. And, you know, it's been a wonderful resource for so many people. But Craig Rochelle, one of the things um, that stuck with me, uh, listening to him, was he said, you fail in your planning when the unimportant things in life crowd out and overwhelm the important things. So in other words, the ordinary, everyday 
getting around. We know we've got that important thing to do, but we just want to get these other things out of the way first, but then by the time we get to the important thing, we've actually run out of time. So these other things are actually taking over what's actually important for us. And so what he says he does is the first things that he always puts in his diary is the important stuff. And he said they're non-negotiable. Puts them in and then everything else has to work around the important things. And they're going to be different for different people. So I'm recommending, if we haven't already, to decide what are the most important things for us and make sure we schedule them into our lives and make the appropriate time for them. But more than that, I'm also pleading that if quality time with God isn't already part of our daily routine, we will discover how spending quality time with God is crucial if we want to grow and thrive as part of his family. And also, don't force yourself to do something that isn't working for you. There's no point reading huge chunks of scripture that aren't making sense and are just going in the front door and then straight out the back door of our mind or spending hours in prayer but really there's other things that are going on in our mind and we're not focused. If your time with God isn't working, ask for help. There's plenty of also resources online and books. But um, ask for help. Um, For other people might have creative ideas they might be like a similar personality type or something like that and go, well, this has worked for me. Why don't you have, that, have a go at doing this? Um, and also, um, start small and grow with God as the desire increases. I know um, we've seen Angus Buchan here in the church before. We've um, seen him preach and uh, listen to his message and I knew he would spend a long time because he just does so much and I thought he just couldn't do this much for God without spending a fair bit of quality time with God and I thought maybe two or three hours a day or something like that, I thought maybe that'd be where he'd be at no, he gets up at four o'clock in the morning and goes till nine o'clock <laughs> five hours a day so I'm not saying hey come on, let's go out let's do six hours we're going to be better for God when he first became a Christian, he probably didn't do five hours, he probably did five minutes. I remember when I was a child, my father taught me the Lord's Prayer and I prayed it every single night and named all the people I cared about and asked God to look after them. Probably didn't take me any more than five minutes a day to do that. But I did it for years. And you know what? God listened to every single word and honoured them by bringing people into my life who have helped me along in my journey with God and bit by bit God has helped me become who I am today. So if for you, that's all you can do at the moment, that's fine. God listens, he hears. Better to have five minutes of quality time than an hour of nothingness. So try and find something that works for you and a time frame that works for you. We're not all prayer warriors. And I was on the Christian 
on the Revival College Bible Camp, there was one lady there who's, that's her gift, is intercessory prayer. And she prays for hours every day for other people, churches, whatever God puts on their mind. She's praying all the time. That's something that God has given her a gift. And um, we don't want to think we're inadequate because we're doing something different to someone else and they appear all super spiritual and godly. We all respond to God in different ways as well. So, comparisons with other people often aren't helpful. What is important, and I know the the difference it's made for me, is um, I was always uh, a negative person, I suppose. I was not a really negative person, but that's often the first reaction is on a negative side. It's Spending time with God has helped me be much more positive and probably the one quality of God that was missing in my life before was joy. It's probably still not my strongest quality, but spending time with God has increased my joy a million times more. (laughs) So we'll leave that there and I'll just commend that to you to not worry about it, but... You know, it's something now I look forward to. It's not something I go, oh no, I've got to try and fit that in. <laughs> because I've seen the difference it makes and it's worthwhile. So, what have we done so far? We've been prepared by God. <clears throat> We're now Christ centred on the will. God can use us, He can shape us. So, The potter's hands come in, shape us into the type of vessel he intends us to be. Vessels are always shaped to contain something. Like if we make a goblet, it might be for wine or a plate for bread. We had some bread and wine today. (laughs) Um, There's no doubt that God has a special purpose in his kingdom for each one of us. And he is fashioning us to fulfil that purpose. As God says in his word in 1 Corinthians 2.9, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And Paul was quoting out of Isaiah 64, which is where our verse is from today. It's just four verses before. The verse for today, remember, is, And yet, O Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. When we allow ourselves to be formed by the potter, God will use us in ways that are far beyond what we can conceive or imagine or thought we were capable of. We normally put ourselves down and don't think that we can do much for God. But don't worry, you're not alone. Most of the men of faith and women in the Bible, um, they their first reaction was, I don't think I can do this, God. But I do want us to think about how is God shaping your life? Are you prepared to let go of your preconceived ideas and step out in faith with God? I know we read about all the miraculous and amazing things that God has done through the ages in the Bible and believe that he can still do some of those things, but do we believe God can use us to do similar things in our time? just quickly want to share the story of Zechariah and Mary. 
having a, a little bit of a, a Christmas part in our story here. Um, we know the Zechariah and Elizabeth, John the Baptist's parents. They were getting old. She was well past the age of childbearing. Zechariah was a priest. What's the two roles of a priest? To be an intermediary between God and the people and to teach the people. So he probably would have taught about the story of Sarah and Abraham many, many times and believe, probably believe, yeah, God could do that today. You know, just They're probably still praying that they would have a child even though they knew it was impossible. And he would have known the story of Hannah and how Hannah didn't have a, have a child. But yet when he was called to serve in the temple... Um, and the angel spoke to him and said Elizabeth is going to have a child and he's going to be in the spirit of Elijah and prepare the way for the Lord what was his response? he didn't believe it he said you know where can you, how can this be? so I think more of us fall into this attitude um, than say the attitude of Mary who was quite the opposite and when the angel told her something even more amazing that you're going to have a baby and it's going to be um, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and, and give you a child and he's going to be the saviour of people something even more amazing what did she say? one of the few people in the Bible that said I am the Lord's servant may everything you have said about me come true I think it's just incredible her response and her faith. No wonder God chose her. And when uh, Mary went to meet her cousin Elizabeth, Elizabeth said, You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. And I wonder if God has said some things to us about what he wants or a promise he's made and we've lost sight of that. We don't believe that promise or God will do it for us or with us so let me say what are you believing for or expecting from God do you believe that the same God that led the Israelites out of Egypt and across the Red Sea on dry ground into the promised land will lead us and use us to perform signs and wonders in our land do we believe that the same God that raised Jesus from the dead and lifted him up into heaven where he is seated at the Father's right hand can use us to bring healing and the resurrection life into our community? Do we believe that the same God who gave the early church the faith and strength to stand firm with Jesus, even though they were persecuted and killed for their belief, can give us the same faith and perseverance to challenge the falsehoods and injustices of our time and stand up for the truth of Jesus no matter what the personal cost to ourselves and our family? I believe God is an unchanging God and he wants to use us in the same way He has used the men and women of faith in previous generations if we will only let him mould us and shape us into the Holy Spirit-powered, truth-bearing people he wants us to be. Amen. So if we just remember three things, let God prepare you. Submit ourselves to God's preparation process. Two, be Christ-centred, live a Christ-centred life. Spend quality time with Jesus. Allow God to shape us. Be shaped by God. Allow him to shape us for his purposes. So, what's our application? 
Just do it with Jesus, because Jesus is our guide and our saviour. As you've already said, he is our Lord and he is amazing. And may God bless you and keep you on the journey. Amen.